Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And it is my goal to help you get the most out of your career and to find the most fulfilling career. And I do that each week by bringing you thought leaders and people that can help you just collapse that timeline to success. So tune in. We're going to have another great thought leader here today. So I'd like to welcome Shane Reed, author of Winning at Public Speaking former prosecutor, and now teaches on persuasion and public speaking across the world using the skills he's learned. Shane focuses on using the secrets of great trial lawyers to transform your public speaking and presentation skills to get the results you desire. Thanks for joining us today, Shane. Thank you, Casey, very much. Glad to be here. You know, this is such an interesting connection because I always want to weave in the importance of networking into your career. Would you agree with that? Yes. Very much. Have you ever gotten a job through networking? Well, I work for the government, which is kind of is the opposite of networking, <laughs> right? Because you have career stability and you're in a government silo. But I've learned through persuasion and now having left the government, the importance of networking and doing it every day and just making it a habit you've got to start your morning with. And you have to not only... So it, here's a mistake a lot of people make. They'll meet someone, they'll do one follow-up, and then that's it. And you've really got to nurture those relationships. You've got to make that investment into those people that you meet if you want to be able to one day when you need a job, you want to call them and ask for a favor, right? Right. And it's always best to do that before you need the job. Exactly. Because that's the hard time to do the coffee and lunches. It's a lot easier when you're secure and you don't need it to make those friendly uh, networking meetings in whatever format they are. Well, And it also, I think, comes across as more authentic. Exactly. You know, if I only call you when I need something, you're going to be like, hmm, you know. What's you want? And do I have the time for it? Where if you do it when you don't need it, it's more mutual and you have a lot more value to add as opposed to asking for something because there's a meeting. Well, and, and this leads me to how you and I met because, you know, I had a network. I have a network and I meet people through my network and the people that introduced us were a part of my trusted network. And when they, they came to me and they said, hey, Casey, you really need to talk to this Shane guy. You know, he might be really good for your podcast. My answer was yes. Right. And that's another great point, right? The warm introduction. Yes. Will always open the door, have a huge likelihood of success as opposed to something out of the blue. Oh, I haven't spoken to you in 10 years. What, what, why is Shane reaching out to me now? Exactly. So warm introductions and then do it when you don't need it. So then when you do need it, it's, everything's in place. You know, I have a great example of that. So I had someone reach out to me about a year ago that, and I was like, this is so cool. She's reaching out to me. I hadn't talked to her in years. And then immediately she started selling. She got into some network, multi-level marketing thing. And so she's like, hi, how are you doing? I want to tell you about this new product that I'm working on. And I want you to come into my down branch or whatever they call it. And I'm like, click. Yeah, right. I don't have time for that. Exactly. So I just, it's so important that you use your networking connections wisely. 
use them wisely. And also, I think also don't be afraid to reach out to people you haven't spoken to in years. If you're not asking necessarily for a favor, just wanting to catch up because everyone generally likes to stay connected. Yeah. So don't be afraid to do that. And if at the end of it, you have a small ask, great. And if it's a really close friend you haven't spoken to in years, a big, big ask is okay because you're renewing a relationship that's strong and it's already there. Yes. Now, there are definitely those type of relationships. So who introduced us? Uh, Lee Colin. Yes, Lee and Julie Colin. Um, they've actually been on the podcast. Uh, great. That I love their um, Illness for Leadership, the book that they just released, or Healthy Leadership, I think is what it's called. Yes. Um, just a great couple. And you know what is so interesting to me about them? I have no idea. Other than what I know about them, but what you probably would find this interesting okay. too. I'm sure you would agree with me. They've been married for what, like 30 years? Yep. And they've been in business together for almost as long. They're very compatible as business partners. Yeah. Yes. So that is crazy to me. That's, I think, unique. <laughs> it's so unique, but that's so, why it's interesting to me. I'm right. Like, and I asked them on the podcast, I was like, how do y'all do this? And so it was a really great answer. But we're here to talk about you today but i really i just like to form those connections create that spider web of how we met because you know i could even go back further and say i met lee and julie because of success north dallas that i took over from bill wallace and i've been giving out a book that they donated that lee contributed to for years right the nature of excellence well and then just to follow up on that the reason i got introduced to lee was on a consulting job i did not get Oh. But they said, oh, you ought to reach out to Lee. Like, oh, of course I did reach out to Lee and then it leads to just other things. So even rejections, if you're aware of the networking possibilities, you got to try it because it oftentimes is more successful than you might hope. So That is a really good example yeah. about, you know, what you thought was a failure, but turned into a positive. Exactly. I love that. Good. Always find the positive, right? Yes. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. How do you get from being a lawyer to being a speaker and writing a book and all that? Right. So my story's kind of short, but uh, when I first got out of law school, I heard my first trial and I lost. And I was wondering, why did I lose? Because I thought I'd done everything that I'd been taught in law school. So I was determined to find out what all the other lawyers were doing. And I looked around and they were just average or okay. Right. So then I said, well, I wanna find out what the great lawyers are doing. They must be doing what I learned in law school and everyone else did, but doing it at a really high level. And when I went to them and studied them and watched their trials, I realized they were doing something completely different than what we've been taught in law school. And here's what they did. Three I things. Don't. They do <laughs> the brain science of persuasion, they knew how to tell a story and back it up with facts. And finally, they knew how to make complicated ideas simple. So those lawyers doing those three things, those principles, and they are persuasion principles that work in the courtroom. So I wrote a lot of books for trial lawyers, how to be persuasive. And then uh, my latest book is for business professionals, how to use those same skills in the business world. And they work, they're proven, and some are obvious, but they're also from a different angle that isn't being presented at the moment. So I love that. And just because, you know, we, we tackle some really different topics here when it comes yep. to careers. So give me a couple examples of where persuasion might benefit you in your career. In my career or, or in, in your audience's career? In our audience's. Oh my gosh, persuasion, you know, like is everywhere. Yeah. So if you're in a job trying to get to the next level in the company you're in, 
that persuasion, letting your supervisor or boss know how well you're doing without sounding like you're self-promoting is key. Or if you're looking for a new job, networking and trying to find out how can I use my talents and be more fulfilled somewhere else, that persuasion power is critical. So I tell you more about what that is, but I'm sure we might get to that. We probably will get to that. So, but, so as an attorney, you studied extensively the principles of persuasion. Well, maybe not as extensively as I would have assumed since you said you really saw that afterwards, after you started looking at those that are high quality. But let's assume you learned persuasion when you were in school and, you know, and they're essential to success. So do you believe that acquiring the proficiency in persuasion techniques distinguishes you from other people and from your me, peers? Me personally? No, would, do you oh, believe yes. it helps the audience? Of course. Yeah. So studies show that people who speak well in public are seen as more knowledgeable and trustworthy than those that don't. So part of the persuasion is just being able to speak well in public because then you're naturally assumed mm -hmm. to be knowledgeable and trustworthy. Of course, you have to back it up with facts to close the deal. But if you don't have that basic skill of one-on-one -on -one conversation like you're, you and I are having yeah. with your boss, with your future employer to be persuasive in public, public speaking is just talking out loud, then you're at a real disadvantage to the other person who comes in, seems knowledgeable, seems trustworthy, who knows if they are or not, but they've got a leg up because they've got the public speaking skills down. So that's the first step. It's a huge difference. You know, and I do find that people that are well-spoken do tend to move quicker in their careers because they can make the argument for why they should. Exactly. And I think that's important. So I have a question for you. When it comes to persuasion, tell me if you've seen this before. People start getting louder when they want to convince you of something. Right. How would you recommend that somebody combat that? Well, you never win an argument. So if you're in an argument, you're already going to lose. Yeah, so this isn't an argument. Okay, just this, speaking louder. This is actually a real situation I'm dealing with right now. Well, It's like anytime that they want to be more convincing, they get louder. So I would just get softer. And if you get softer, it highlights how loud they are, and then that person realizes they're not convincing you at all. So I always try to have if there's a heated debate, to have the quietest voice in the room because who wants to be yelled at? No one is convinced by that or yelled at when someone's just raising their voice. Yeah. And Casey, as you know, the key is to listen. And when you're talking loudly, you're not listening. You're trying to get your point across. Yes. And one of the most common mistakes I see in the business world, people try to get jobs, move to another job or get a better job. It's all about them all I've done, look what I've done, instead of, oh, what is your need here at this company? And let me tell you how I can fulfill those needs. Because the supervisor doesn't care about your career advancement. Well, occasionally they might. Yeah. They care about making the business successful. So your job is to listen, oh, what are the needs of the new task? And then explain concisely and persuasively how you can fulfill those needs. And that's the key to persuasion. I love that. And I think that is so true. But I want to go back to what you just said. That's such great advice. And I am definitely going to try that about just getting quieter. Just, it works. I can't wait to see because my eardrums have been about to bust sometimes. Okay. And, and it's not yelling. It's just the, just the level, the decibel level goes up. Right. And I'm just like, I can hear you. I haven't moved, you know. Right. 
So, and I don't think that it's intentional. I think it's something that this person is very unaware that they're doing. Well, I think with a softer voice, they'll be more aware that they're. I'm so going to try that. Okay. So going to try that. So, so I actually listened to one of your presentations. I've actually listened to it a couple of times, and you talk about the power. I think you call it the rule of three. So, talk to me about this. What is the rule of three? Well, it's been around. I didn't invent it, but it's something people ignore a lot. But the science is that our brains are very uh, susceptible and like hearing things that are broken down in threes. So if I told you I'm going to teach you the three tips of persuasion, you and your audience go, oh, well, I can learn three. Okay. If I said, hey, Casey, I've got 29 rules of persuasion. I've got 53 tips that if you follow, you'll learn how to be a good public. My eyes yeah. just glazed. They glazed over. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's the rule of three. It's built around breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, we all know stories have beginning, middle, end. From our childhood, we've been read stories that have beginning, middles, and ends. So it's just the rule of three is kind of ingrained in us. Interesting. As a comforting way to process information. And studies have shown that also that is a great number. So it doesn't have to be three, but if you're not doing three, you have a really good reason. So if you're doing four, nine, twelve, why? Let's try and narrow it to three. And if you can't, then explain to me a really good reason why it's not three. So all my books, three parts in the book. My chapters have three parts. So just divisions of three because, mm -hmm. oh, three parts to a book. That makes sense. I can do a beginning, a middle, end. I, w I was going to ask you about that too because that is, that's really interesting. I never thought about that. But three is a very, it's also a very spiritual number, but yes. it's, I just, I'd never heard it explained like that, that it's, we've been pro, almost programmed from our childhood to recognize the patterns of three. Right. I can go on and on. Western music is uh -huh. built around three chords, the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord. So anytime you listen to music, those three chords are the structure of any song in Western music, whether it's Mozart, rock and roll, or Taylor Swift. Art is the same way. How many primary colors are there? I don't know. Well... Three, right. <laughs> and all those colors, all the rest of the colors are built around the three primary colors. So it's in our painting, it's in our music, it's in the stories we've been told. It's almost everywhere. What was it? The three little bears? Yeah, three little bears, three <laughs> little pigs. Yep. We that, is, on and on. that is crazy. Yeah. So did you actually put like a framework on your rule of three where you talk about, and I'm, I'm trying to remember like you be concise, be... Um, what were the other two? Well, the idea of the rule of three, just whenever you're making a presentation, say you're in a job interview, mm -hmm. think of the three best reasons why they should hire you, not five, seven, nine, 12, or 15. Because you don't have to say these are the three reasons, but if you say in three different, yeah. give three different reasons, that's a lot easier to process than just a bunch of talking for 10 minutes. Okay, this is really exciting to me because I love brain hacks. And okay. I'm always trying to give my candidates when I coach them yep. for their interviews with sure. my clients, you know, because I mean, I'm going to give them all the inside dirt. Don't listen to this clients um, about what's going on and what they can expect in the interview, but I also give them brain hacks. And that's a really subtle one, yeah. like doing the power or the, the value of three, the circle of three, um, because that's one that probably most people won't pick up consciously, right. but it's going to hit their subconscious. Yeah. And it's going to have an impact. And it also benefits the candidate that you're coaching that they have to boil down 
what their message is, I say to one sentence, you can have three reasons to support it, but one sentence of what your story is on why you should get the job. Oh, I tell them that too. I call it the commercial. Yeah, and it takes a lot of work. I know you know it takes a lot of effort. Yep. But it makes the difference in persuasion as opposed to the other candidate who's all over the place and is not uh, being concise because the brain wants easy information. It wants correct information, Yes. but it wants the easy path. And having that one sentence makes it easy. You know, this is so good because I'm always adding to the tips and tricks that I give to my candidates. And that's one that I definitely tell them is, this is something I, I came up with. It was, you know, and, and usually where you're going to tell them about you is when you get that first question, tell me about yourself. Right. And most people go through and they start going through their resume. Chronologically. I yeah, guess. and I'm like, don't do that. They've already read your resume. Yep. Think about it like a commercial. You need to keep it short and sweet and you need to have a hook so they don't change the channel. Yep. And then I teach them how to create that hook. And I'm like, you're gonna be dancing in their heads when they're interviewing the next person. Right, so you create the hook. And as you said, don't talk about what's in the resume. They've got that. That's why you're in the interview. Yes. Is to see something that's not on paper. Yes, or you can take something that's on the resume and tell a story about it. Yep. You know, I mean, that's what, if I ever have to interview again, God help me, please no. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got a really good hook. And it's just literally talks about, because with, in recruiting, networking is huge, right? Right. And so, and I list my networking affiliations on my resume, but when they, when I do the tell me about yourself, my hook is, as you can see on my resume, I do a lot of networking, but what does that really tell you? It doesn't tell you that I volunteer all my time and that I am the chief of staff for Success North Dallas and the first person that people see when they walk in the door and I'm always connecting the right people for the right reasons at the right time. Right, so you said the rule of three. I the did. right people for the right reasons at the right time. See, I think I do a lot of that and don't yeah, even realize it. Exactly. But then my last part is, I'm so good at what I do, people often refer to me as the networking ninja. Yeah. So that's a great hook to remember. Yeah, you know, right? you're not gonna forget me. Yeah. So I love that and I love the power. The other thing that I have my candidates do, just kind of emphasizing your power of three, is I always want to make sure they have plenty of questions at the end. Yes. Because that the biggest complaint I get from my hiring managers is, got to the end, they didn't have any questions. And they're like, but they asked all of them during the interview. And I'm like, that's why you need lots. Because they're point. gonna get organ organically asked and answered during the interview. And so I have them break it out, wait for it, into three buckets. Oh, perfect, yeah. Ask about the company, the culture, and the job description. And yeah. develop three to five questions in each of those buckets. Yeah. Easy. That makes it easy for the person delivering the information, because now they've got the rule yes. of three. And then also the person receiving it. So I love the bucket idea. That's a good visual metaphor. So I teach a lot about having pictures to help you remember. So if you're a candidate, just like if you tell them about these three buckets, they're going to remember that. And so when they're nervous in the job interview, they'll go, oh, yeah, Casey told me about three buckets. I know what's in bucket one, two. And yep. if I don't get to three, at least I've got one and two. And that's better than if I'd had no buckets at all because I'm so nervous and I'm forgetting. I'm going to take the bucket idea. <laughs> you can there have you the, go. I'm going to take the rule of three idea and yeah. you can take the bucket idea. Right, perfect. That works just fine. I love that. Um, so what other advice can you give to job seekers as they, to like really effectively present yourself? I mean, you don't want to come across like you're just trying to do all persuasion. So right. what would you say? Well, to I them? think more important than the persuasion part is the listening. Yeah. So it's not a job interview where you're doing talking and answering questions. You're really listening to what they need. 
Because it doesn't matter how good you are. If they don't need what you're good at or you don't tell them how you fit their need, then you've lost. So these interviews, whether you're trying to get promoted or a new job, mm -hmm. are not about you telling them how good you are or look at my resume, this is what I've done. It is, what are your needs? Asking those questions and then telling them how you can fulfill those needs. Uh, the other thing, which very few people I think do because it's kind of uh, difficult, is to know your weaknesses and oh, don't okay. be Let's afraid of them that. Yeah, and have answers for them that are sincere, that they aren't spin. Yes. No one wants spin, but uh, so we can talk about that or I can give you. An well, example. I just want to, that is such an important question. And usually when I'm coaching and I do want your example, you know, I talk about be prepared for the strengths and weaknesses and I don't care what your strength is, but let's talk about your weaknesses. And I always get the same one. I'm too detail oriented. And I'm like, but right. Everybody says that be different. Definitely be different. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking more of a specific example, but I'd be curious. What, what is your answer to don't say too detailed or something corny? That I have them really sit with themselves and really be authentic right. about what their weakness is. And then I always want you to turn it into a positive though. So like for me, my first career was in accounting. Please don't ever make me work in a spreadsheet again. You know, right. But if I had to go back into accounting, my weakness would be something like, and I don't recommend accountants use this one, but it would be like, you know, I haven't used Excel in a long time because I haven't been in accounting, but knowing that I was going back into the accounting field, I've already signed up for some refresher courses. So I said a weakness that wasn't really a weakness, but it's authentic, but I've already, I've already fixed the problem. Right. So how, how would you answer that? Well, I was just thinking more, a more specific question, like say you've only managed 10 people and okay. you're applying for a job where you have to supervise a hundred people, mm -hmm. right? So obviously you've never managed a hundred people. You've only done 10. So that is a weakness. Yeah. You've never had that big a group to supervise and you may be younger than someone else who's interviewing who has managed a hundred. So just, yeah, I have only managed 10 people. That's all I've done. But the principles I've done in managing those 10 can easily be translated to the hundred. So now you're being authentic, you're being honest. Yes, I don't have the experience. Throw in, I'm a hard worker and quick learner. And what I've done for these 10 will translate to the 100. And if it doesn't translate completely, admit that and say, but I'm still your person because I can do this for the 100 people. So it's all what you said, being authentic, admitting it. Don't say, oh, well, I'm just, I work too hard. Okay. Oh, that's another one I get a right. lot. I'm too detail oriented, I work too hard. I'm like, did you Google that? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but it, it also though, that's kind of an unfair question for the interviewer to ask because it's it's begging for a canned answer. So if I was an interviewer, I wouldn't ask that question because you're not gonna really get a good answer. So be more right. authentic as the interviewer, how to get some information that would be helpful as opposed to that canned answer, which everyone's giving. Yeah, and, and I think, um, oh, I will tell you this though. I've learned, I've added this to when I'm prepping my candidates for their interviews. Don't use a character flaw as a weakness. Oh, that, and let me tell you like what. I'm <laughs> impatient or I anger quickly. Yes, exactly. But I, I literally, and this was not an early career candidate. This was a controller level candidate. Right. And I said, so how do you typically answer the weakness question? And he goes, well, I just can't get to work on time. I went, don't ever say that again. Yeah. Don't ever say that again. And so after that conversation, I don't take it for granted that they should know better. That's I always point. say, don't use a character flaw as a weakness. Right. Because it, it just doesn't go well. 
that's hard to believe that person and I told was him employable. To, oh, he didn't last long. That should have been a really good sign right. that he wasn't going to last long. But I did recommend he buy at least two alarm clocks after yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. So, but yeah, so it's really interesting with, you know, and I learn something new. I've, you know, I've been recruiting for a long time and I sometimes think I've heard everything 